Hi there. This is Suzanne Tierney with the Lupus Foundation of America's Great Ohio Chapter, and welcome to my Lupus Living Room. I'm so excited to share with you conversations with other fellow Lupians. Our stories are incredible. We can learn so much from each other. And today I have a special guest. Um, she's joined us as an intern for a few weeks, a few months, and we're all excited to have her. And um, we're at lunch frequently, and we listen to her stories of her health, just as we do some of the other staff, and she has a, a story to tell that I think is worth sharing with all of you. We learn so much from each other. So I want to introduce to you my, my not-so-famous guest, but soon-to-be-famous, is Amy Filbert. And in case that name rings a bell, she was featured in our Living with Lupus magazine this month. If you haven't received a copy of the magazine, you can visit it online at www.lupusgreaterohio.org. And if you'd like a copy, hard copy sent to you, just call the office at one 888 lupus and the girls will be happy to send you a copy. Um, they are free to paid members. And if you're a lupus patient, we're happy to get you a hard copy in the mail. And it's a good read. You'll enjoy it. We print them four times a year. So my guest is Amy. And you look great today. And oh, I know you're very you. excited to do this. A little nervous. It's okay. We all are. Okay. So go ahead. Let's tell, tell everybody about yourself. So my name's Amy. Like Suzanne said, I am a current student at Ohio University. Yay. <laughs> um, I went back after 20 years wow. to get my bachelor's degree. So it's been wonderful and interesting and all, all of those things. Uh, I was diagnosed with lupus when I was uh, 35 and a half after I had my first and, and only child. Um, so the road to lupus, how did you get there? How did you make the diagnosis? Was it a family doctor? Was it a specialist? Explain that journey. Sure. Um, I went to my family doctor, general practitioner first, and she was a very nice lady. She asked me a lot of questions, was very uh, attentive and listening, and she, she had some very good ideas, and then she sent me over to a rheumatologist who then uh, gave me an ANA test. I was positive, and then um, we went from there. Well, for those of you that don't know, an ANA test is an anti-nuclear antibody test. It is one test, just one of many, that they use to look for uh, making a diagnosis of lupus. So as we know it today, being used here is not a specific diagnostic test for lupus. However, just recently on our hot news, um, they do mention that type of test, but I can tell you it's not being used here in this area at this time. So the anti-nuclear antibody test reads a little bit different for everyone, but it is one of, of um, the keys to lupus. There are 11 different criterias to making the diagnosis of lupus. You know, do I want to read all of them? Let me see if I can think of them. Uh, sores in your nose, your mouth, hair loss, low-grade fevers, positive anti-nuclear antibody, gross fatigue, cre uh, creating in your, in your urine, uh, a rash, uh, challenging blood work, and the list you can find on our website at www.lupusgreaterohio.org. So this rheumatologist, what was the treatment plan? 
So the treatment plan was to start with Plaquenil. Uh, I am told that's a common starting point, uh, but after a couple weeks, I actually was allergic to it. I had a rash going up both arms, and then I naturally have asthma, but it started getting really tight and wheezy in my chest, so I couldn't do that anymore. Wow. So I have to tell you, I'll be celebrating my 35th year this fall with the Lupus Foundation of America, and maybe a handful of people have ever said to me they had a challenge with Plaquenil. So usually that is a drug that is very well tolerated with very few side effects. And it used to be very inexpensive. I know I just filled mine. I almost had a heart attack. It was $166. Um, but it, it's a drug that the fear factor for that specific drug has to do with the eyes. Um, there could be toxicity if you take it for a long period of time. But with Plaquenil hydroxychloroquine, what you have to understand is it takes a long time for you to take it, for you to see a difference too. So please don't be that person who takes it three times and says your eyes have an issue. It would take a long time for that to happen. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your rash. Now, it's interesting because I have asthma as well. It didn't bother me. And I, I am a long-term person on Plaquenol, okay? So Plaquenol is a baseline drug that is used to treat lupus. And then, of course, with um, depending on the type of flare activity you have, next would be the prednisone. And we know that prednisone is a great drug to treating lupus, especially with inflammation. And if, if you have a flare, kicking it out as soon as you can. Certainly not meant for long term. So you went back to school after you diagnosed with lupus. Yes. Uh, my husband asked me if I was feeling well. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> well, that it's a challenge. It's a lot of work. And, you know, it is. we know that fatigue is, is, a, is a huge issue for patients. We know that cognitive dysfunction is a huge um, issue for patients. So kudos to you for taking that on. So I'm curious about the drive behind that, because we know many of our fellow Lupians you know, it's really tough to get out of bed in the morning or you have to go to bed early. We're kind of like got a double whammy going. We only have a few good hours out of the day. So how did you get to this place to say, I can do this? Where did that energy come from? Right. Uh, so I had been working in nonprofit uh, before I actually came here, uh, but I I've always wanted my bachelor's degree, but as you said, time, money, uh, feeling fatigued, uh, brain fog doesn't exactly help. Um, I am a very, I have to be a very organized individual, uh, put things on my phone. The good news is after about 11 years, we finally found a medication uh, that's starting to help me in many ways mm -hmm. uh, get my life back. And what type of medication are you on now? So it's a newer one that just came out last year. It's Safnello. It's an infusion like Benlista. Mm -hmm. I was on Benlista for a year and doing quite well. Then um, I got another autoimmune disorder, and the Benlista kind of made that not possible. It okay. made the other uh, autoimmune disease flare 
it, it's very strange. Well, that's interesting. So I do want to share with you, though, that as we share these conversations with our fellow Lupians, that please know that what Amy may take and what I may take to treat could be completely different than what your doctor may prescribe. So your doctor is the best source for information on how to treat your lupus activity. So you had another autoimmune disease. So th this is interesting mm -hmm. because it's so typical and yet so scary to newly diagnosed patients. So what I want you all to know is when you're diagnosed with lupus, do not be surprised or shocked that it could bring along its brothers and sisters. There are multiple different types of autoimmune diseases, especially with lupus. There's Sjogren's, there's Raynard's, there's uh, Hashimoto's. I mean, the list goes on and on. I think there's like 102. Don't quote me on that one. There's, there's over 100 other autoimmune diseases. And what we're finding is that with lupus, and don't be surprised that I said this 10 years from now, that maybe the definition will change. Maybe lupus will be a spectrum of diseases instead of just one. Because like you, I have asthma. I have thyroid problems. I, did you say you had thyroid problems or was I that someone else? I do not. My okay. daughter is borderline thyroid, thyroid but she does not have lupus. So you have a daughter. So you had a successful pregnancy. How did that go? Oh. <laughs> Were you diagnosed at that time? I was not. She had her suspicions. However, uh, my mother, we were discussing family, and she got diagnosed as Sjogren's while I was pregnant. Uh, so that was kind of scary for me. Uh, we don't know what my grandmother had, but we kind of figure she had lupus. Mm -hmm. uh, she's no longer with us to ask, but she had similar symptoms. I remember being a kid and she talking about joint pain and different odd things that yeah. would come up. So that's scary stuff. We are our genes, okay? We are our genes in the sense, you know, they're not saying it's genetic, but we are our genes, okay? So when we say that, and we're thinking back to the grandmas or the great grandmas when they didn't have the medical records that we have today. Now, my grandmother had rheumatic fever and she died of leukemia, okay? Um, but they're not so sure she didn't have lupus either. Right. Well, my grandmother passed away of kidney cancer. And as you know, there's lupus nephritis. Sure. And we're not sure if she had that or not. We don't know. Well, I, I do have family members within my family who had lupus. My uncle had lupus nephritis. He did have um, a kidney transplant. He did succumb to that, but he lived a very long time after the transplant. So kidney involvement is very serious. It's one of the serious aspects of lupus. And, you know, that's one of the reasons we have to be compliant with our treatment plan. We can prevent a lot of things. We can pay attention to our doctors. <laughs> do what they tell us to do, for one, would be nice. It is incredible to me, incredible to me how many of us go to doctors and specialists and we go in and tell them what we think should be going on, and then we don't pay attention and we're non-compliant. Okay, we need to stop doing that. Okay, we are experts on ourselves, but we're not lupus experts. Okay. All right, what else can you share with this? You have a family. You have a husband. I do, and he's been wonderful Aww. and very supportive. 
uh, because as you know, I can't lift over 25 pounds. Yeah. So he does all my heavy lifting. Yeah. Yeah. And I have all these, I have a cart that I can sometimes put things in the cart and lug up the steps. Uh, we had to move to a different house without an upstairs because mm -hmm. there was no way for me to get upstairs routinely to do all the things sure. that need to be done. Sure. Well, you're lucky to have that gem in your life. Yes. Okay. So unfortunately, <laughs> and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but just through my journey, I can share with you that the divorce rate amongst lupus patients is over 50%, okay? And it's really kind of sad that, you know, we don't stick it out together, but it is a difficult journey. So if you're a caregiver or a spouse with lupus, or, or you are the spouse to someone with lupus, please know that we're here to help. This journey is going to be incredible, but it doesn't have to be lonely. We can do, we do caregiver programs, we have counselors, we have patient navigators. We have two nurses on staff here at the foundation um, and some social workers and support groups. This does not have to be a lonely journey. And we know that you need to vent and, or maybe need help in the relationship. We're going to start offering Signature Health, which is um, a mental health platform where you can get access to mental health because I think it's an incredible, crazy world out there. And if you put lupus on top of it, it's like a cherry been upside down Sunday. So we all need help. We need to figure out how to get through it. So we're here to help you. All right. I know my husband's perfect. He wasn't always perfect. I had to train him to be perfect. That's what yes. I say. Yeah. Unfortunately, okay. Unfortunately. I, I can hear my husband cringing if he listens to this, but there was some training and sure. And he had to go to the doctor and talk with the doctor yeah. and be like, what is this? Why? You know? Yeah. So as you can see, for those of you that are watching this, you can see that Amy and I look perfectly normal. You can't see the challenges. And that's one of the problems with lupus is we don't look sick. Okay, you can't see my blood work that just came back. That's horrifying, actually. And I'll be put on prednisone again tomorrow, which I absolutely hate taking, but it will nip this flare in the bud real quick, I hope. Um, so we look normal. and But right around 4 o'clock, you're going to see the inflammation start slipping in and things are going to become a little foggy for us. But we do want to live life to our fullest. Of course. So what would you share with people? How do you get through that crazy busy day? Because you got a family and you're here and you're going to school. That's true. Um, it's a big balancing act. You do have to listen to your body. If you do push, your body's going to tell you and it's going to push back. And it's going to be a day where I mom from the couch if go. I do too much. So I have to schedule in break times for mm -hmm. myself. I have to know when I'm feeling good enough. Uh, this time of year, I can do extra a mm -hmm. little bit. Spring and fall, I have to scale back some because uh, weather does affect my joints. Yeah. You know? So we're like barometers. Yes. You know, when the storm comes, we can feel it. Oh, I know it. We can feel We can. It's almost like an arthritic response. Yes. Yeah. So with your little girl, she's helpful to you. I mean, she sounds absolutely charming. Um, you spoke about a little garage sale she just did and she raised some money. You're teaching her very young about nonprofits. Yes. Um, 
with us, we decided, and, and not everybody does this, fine. We decided to tell her to greet the world with kindness. You never know what somebody else is fighting or what other struggles people have. Because mom doesn't look sick. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands that mom is struggling. And she's wonderful. She's uh, very energetic. <laughs> so uh, there are times when I have to tell her, hey, we have to calm down a little bit yeah. because mom can't keep up with you. I got a chair that sits two people and I she can sit right next to me. So when I'm on the computer doing my schooling, she can sit right next to me and read a book. If I'm down... Um, Safnello causes maybe a day or two of sleepiness. I can get a blanket and lay down and she's right there next to me. So she knows that I'm with her. She mm-hmm. knows and I know that she's with me. Oh, it's great. It's great. You figured it out. I love when people can figure things out, especially on your own. Um, so you have some other issues as well. You have some food allergies that you discovered along the way. Right. So it's microscopic colitis. And as you said, lupus kind of opened the door for that to walk right in when I was 40. Mm-hmm. Um, can't eat dairy. Had to go on what's called a Monash uh, Institute diet or FODMAP. And then had to reintroduce things. And I found out there were several things that I cannot really tolerate or eat. Well, and you adjusted. I, I'm just in awe over how you adjust. It comes, you adjust. You It comes, you adjust. What is that? Where'd you get that from? Do you have siblings? I mean, do I they do all not. function like that? No? No, I'm, I'm an only child. Uh, but my mother, she had Sjogren's even when she had me, although she wasn't diagnosed. But when, when things would come up, we would always adjust. She was a single mother uh, raising me. My parents got divorced when I was young. And again, life comes at you. Life is not very passive. It comes at you, so you have to adjust. So we used to have uh, a Marine who worked here. Oh, my. Oh, we were afraid of her, boy. She had the cleanest desk. Every file was perfect. No paper was out of order. You know, everything was sanitized. And she used to say to me, you're going to adapt and adjust, adapt and adjust, adapt and adjust. And that really stuck with me. Okay. It really takes you to get through some of this stuff. It really takes you to take the responsibility to say, I can, I can. Try to get the word, I can't removed from your vocabulary. Pay attention to how many times you say, I can't. Okay. And every time you say it, put it in a jar, get a little piece of paper, put it in a jar. When you get that visual effect and see it, it's going to have an impact on you because it's really speaking to where you are. All right. How many I can's are in that jar? All right. So it is up to you. Self-empowerment is exactly what that is. How do you find it? That's going to be my next podcast. So I'm going to leave it at that. Excellent. Okay. And I say to all of you, welcome to my lupus living room. This broadcast was brought to you, made possible from a new funding, Us and Lupus and GSK. 
We're excited about the partnership, and for many of you, you may know that they were the first drug approved for lupus in over 50 years. They provided Benlista. They are an advocacy partnership with us, and we're very, very appreciative for their support. Everything that we talked about today was to share. Your doctor is the best source for you, for your treatment plan. Remember, if you need education, if you need support, if you need medicine or a ride to the doctor, give us a call. Maybe we can help. We have patient navigators standing by. Um, there's 20 of them across the state of Ohio, and hopefully we can reduce any barriers that you have to care. But thank you for coming to my lupus living room, and I hope to see you soon. Remember, there is no I in lupus, but there is an us. Until next time, this has been my Lupus Living Room with the Lupus Foundation of America's Great Ohio Chapter. For more information and resources to help you in your lupus journey, please visit lupusgreatoohio.org or call 1-888-NO-LUPUS. Funding for my Lupus Living Room is from an earmark from the state of Ohio and managed by the Ohio Department of Health. Your physician is the best person to help you in the treatment of lupus. The information you learn here today can be discussed with your doctor. As your physician knows your medical history best, do not make any medical changes without consulting your physician first. As with any treatment, stay educated and get information from trusted sources.